This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hear me? Can you hear me on the phone? I do. I've got you coming out of every orifice. <laughs> I'm really not... You're breaking off quite badly. Hello, and welcome to The Lock-In where I finally get to talk to people I want to hear from in a place I want to be, the pub. For some reason, this bloody thing has started playing back some rubbish. Oh, right. Where were we? I forgot. I have two. We're locked in today with Toby Young, who is the founder and general secretary of something called the Free Speech Union. What is the Free Speech Union? So it's a um, mass membership, non-partisan public interest body that stands up for the interests of its members, the speech rights of its members, and campaigns for free speech more widely. And how many members have you got? We've got about 8,200. It's not many, is it? Well, we only started in um, February of last year um, and we haven't had any sort of marketing budget. We don't even have a membership secretary, so it's not bad. And um, they're paying on average about £50 a head. Um, so that gives us enough annual income to employ about 10 people. Uh, we don't have any um, external offices, very low overheads. We get about 50 cases a week, um, 50 cries for help, uh, and about half of those are people we think we can actually help. Um, we've established uh, a sister organisation in New Zealand, um, and we're in the process of, of establishing uh, a, a US free speech union as well, which will launch in the autumn. We also publish um, briefings, FAQs, policy papers, um, and we organise events as well. So we have, at the moment, they're all online, um, but um, uh, we've, we we organise fairly regular online events. So I've got a um, a, 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 a two-header with me and Professor Kathleen Stock coming up in a couple of weeks to discuss um, uh, the difficulties that gender-critical feminists are having in their uh, confrontation with trans activists. I can't understand why such an organisation is necessary. Well, it's necessary because um, free speech, I think, has never been in greater peril than at any time since the Second World War. Um, but you can the, say what you like here, can't you? 
No. Um, did you not? So, I mean, uh, just just to pick, um, uh, I mean, the papers uh, have cases of um, free speech being breached on an almost daily basis. Um, so this week we learned, for instance, that an artist whose work was on sale in the gift shop at the Royal Academy has been cancelled because uh, she once said something that various trans activists took offence at. We also learnt, Jeremy, um, I think yesterday, that um, uh, the Oxford University Students' Union is going to elect a consultancy, those are their words, um, of sensitivity readers and henceforth journalists for student publications at Oxford will have to submit their work for vetting by this group of um, uh, morality cops. Um, uh, so it won't be the editor's final say as to what goes in Charwell, for instance. It'll be up to this consultancy of sensitivity readers. Uh, we had an article in The Spectator, I think, yesterday by Tom Devine, the historian about uh, the crisis of free speech at Edinburgh University. Um, there was recently a survey carried out by the uh, UCU, the largest academic trade union in the UK, which found that uh, free speech, the free speech rights of academics are less well protected in the UK than at any, any other country in Europe, bar one. Uh, something like 35% of academics at British universities said that they routinely had to self-censor for fear of being persecuted for saying what they really think. Um, there have been surveys carried out by Policy Exchange, uh, by Servation, uh, all documenting the extent of the free speech crisis, the extent to which people are self-censoring. Uh, Scotland has just passed a hate crime act, which means that there's now less free speech in Scotland than at any other country in Europe, including Hungary. The uh, Law Commission of England and Wales has proposed that uh, we pass a very similar bill here. There's a, an equivalent bill wending its way through through the parliamentary process, the legislative process in Northern Ireland. Um, uh, you know, the assaults on free speech, Jeremy, um, are happening on a daily basis and very few organisations are actually standing up for free speech, particularly the speech rights of ordinary people. Um, and as I say, we're, we're, we're getting about 50 cries for help a week by ordinary people who's, who are being punished uh, simply for saying what they think, either in universities, in the workplace... Uh, on social media, etc. But hate crime, to encourage someone to attack someone because they're black or because you don't like their position on gender issues is pathetic, isn't it? It's illegal apart from anything else. Well, it's not illegal to... It is illegal to um, uh, uh, stir up racial hatred. And it's... Um, uh, uh, but it's... it's, it's um, uh, and it is illegal to stir up hatred against uh, people who possess uh, one of, I think, uh, five protected characteristics. Uh, but hate speech um, uh, is defined much, much more broadly than that and weaponized by, for the most part, people on the left to shut down anyone they simply disagree with. I'll give you an example. One of the people we are, we've gone to bat for is a feminist called Posey Parker. And... Um, Someone on Change.org, the petition website, started a petition uh, saying they wanted the Oxford English Dictionary to change its definition of woman from adult human female to something less trans-exclusionary. 
Um, and uh, Posey Parker started a rival petition on change.org in which she said she wanted the OED to keep its definition of woman as adult human female. Now, various um, trans activists complained, accused Posey Parker of hate speech, by which they meant defining a woman as an adult human female is hate speech. And change.org, which is the largest petition website in the world, took down Posey's petition because they agreed and they sent her a letter explaining why they'd taken it down and they said we won't support petitions which traffic in hate speech. So what they meant by that was defining a woman as an adult human female is hate speech. Um, So you know it's all very well to say Well it's not very friendly towards uh, people who change gender well, so you agree, do you, Jeremy, that defining a woman as an adult human female is hate speech and anyone's, anyone trafficking in that sort of... No, I don't agree with it, but I defend their right to say it. Yeah, but uh, the Change.org wasn't defending Posey Parker's right to say it. It was uh, essentially taking down her petition by um, misdescribing uh, def- what she'd said as hate speech. And we saw this uh, with the attempt to... Um, shut down GB News last week. So um, a a left-wing lobby group called Stop Funding Hate um, whipped up uh, outrage mobs on social media to um, petition uh, companies advertising on GB News on the grounds that GB News was trafficking in hate speech and was a racist, transphobic, homophobic, far-right, Fox News-like organisation, uh, all of which is completely untrue. Um, but um, if you do define uh, hate speech uh, very, very broadly, you can weaponize people's natural distaste for what they imagine hate speech is in order to shut down the free speech of your political opponents. You wouldn't support that, would you? Aren't you helping yeah. the, the the people with a phobia about transvestites and transsexuals? No, I don't think we are. I think that um, I think actually um, the reason the um, militant trans lobby um, and the organisations which uh, 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 have been promoting that point of view, like Stonewall, I think have lost the argument about the reform of the Gender Recognition Act uh, and the reform proposed to make it easier um, for trans people to change their gender. Um, The reason they lost that argument is because they wouldn't enter into um, a a, a grown-up, respectful debate about the issues involved in the public square. Instead, they just said, we're right. Anyone who disagrees with us is a transphobe. And if you say anything... Uh, uh, opposing the reform of the Gender Recognition Act, then you're engaging in hate speech. They tried to shame and shut down their opponents instead of actually entering into a proper public debate with them. And for that reason, they've lost the argument. Um, I think that if you want to promote um, trans rights, even as militantly as some of these trans activists do, the way to do that is to... um, enter into a respectful grown-up public debate. That's how the campaign for gay marriage succeeded, because they didn't seek to shame and smear and demonise their opponents as homophobes. They entered into a respectful public debate and they won the argument. Uh, So I think actually, by trying to create a space for more civil discourse, by trying to discourage organisations like Stonewall from shaming and smearing their opponents and encouraging them to be a bit more grown up in the way they go about trying to promote their agenda, we're actually being helpful, not unhelpful to the trans community. If you were, to, if if I was to say 
there is something inherently inferior about black people. Would you defend my right to say it? I think it would depend on where you said it. Um, we have a, we have a, 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 and I think, I think, I think it would be difficult to defend your saying something like that. And if you were a member of the Free Speech Union and you said something like that, I think we'd have to look carefully at whether what you'd said breached our statement of values, in which we say that um, anyone who tries to shut down their opponents by engaging in uh, harassment or intimidation or bullying, uh, and we would include um, blatantly racist statements in that category, um, uh, we wouldn't want as a member. Um, so there are um, things, some things that you would censor. Yeah, I think we would we we, we wouldn't we wouldn't support people um, who were trying to uh, shut down the um, free speech of others by trying to intimidate them or harass them or bully them. Um, you know, I, I don't think we 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 wouldn't say that if you don't engage in respectful grown up debate we would exclude you because I think that would that would exclude satirists um, and comedians who sometimes do ridicule and lampoon their opponents. And that's fine. Um, But if you actually tried to shut down your opponent by um, trying to um, uh, demonize them on the basis of the color of their skin uh, or their sexuality, uh, then I think we, we, we would look very carefully at whether you should be a member of the organization. But free speech is free speech, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Um, uh, and uh, I don't think that um, I don't think that uh, someone who says um, uh, black people are inferior to white people, um, I don't think they should be prosecuted uh, unless it's in the context of trying to stir up racial hatred against black people. Um, I think uh, but but nonetheless, I don't think that an organization like ours has an obligation to defend uh, their right to say that in the public square or defend them from opposition on Twitter uh, or, or Facebook. And I don't think we go to bat for them um, if a private organisation like Facebook or Twitter tried to kick them off its platform if, if, if they said something like that. But I, I would stop short of saying they should be prosecuted for saying something like that unless it was quite extreme um, and uh, was designed to stir up uh, racial hatred. Do you find it difficult to walk this line? Sometimes it can be quite difficult, yes. I mean, I think uh, where it becomes quite tricky is um, uh, we we have said that um, if one of our members is mobbed on social media, so if an outrage mob uh, comes for them um, on Twitter, say, uh, and they find themselves being bombarded with very hostile, unpleasant messages, um, we would uh, go to bat for them. We, w- we would come to their defence uh, if we can. Um, and, uh, but but s- sometimes it's quite hard to tell the difference between when it's bullying, uh, when it's designed to intimidate people into silence, and when it's just a lot of people responding in a similar way to something provocative someone said. I think that's quite a fine line, and it's quite hard to sometimes to figure out whether someone is actually being mobbed on a social media platform in a way which we would think is unacceptable, and when it's just, um, you know, people engaging in a robust democratic debate and just a lot of people saying the same thing simultaneously. How on earth has it come about that you can think it necessary to set up an organisation like yours? 
I think it was, uh, well, um, two, two things um, prompted me to do it. Um, do, you mean, do, do you mean what events in my life prompted me to do it? Or do you mean sort of... Uh, I mean, what's happened to our society that somebody like you decides to set up a free speech union? Well, I think it's uh, it's a combination, I think, of um, uh, a series of um, quite bruising personal experiences and an awareness of a growing problem, um, a growing intellectual intolerance, uh, not just on the left, on the woke left, but predominantly on the woke left. And I think it's something that um, uh, began in America. I think uh, we saw... Uh, the emergence of this new, uh, particularly virulent strain of identitarian, hard-left, neo-Marxist politics in America, starting in universities, but then spreading more widely. Um, uh, We saw it uh, begin in America and then cross the Atlantic, and we're seeing it now beginning to uh, infect not just our universities, but the arts, the charity sectors, museums, galleries. Uh, We're seeing it in the media. Um, uh, We're seeing it uh, in politics more generally. Uh, And I I think it's... uh, I think it's been described as the great awakening, Jeremy, um, which is a slightly facetious explanation. But I think it does capture the religious component. And I think it seems to be a resurgence of Puritanism, um, which has a lot in common with various Christian forms of Puritanism, like the Puritanical fever that swept Massachusetts in the 17th century and England before that. Um, uh, There seem to be uh, cycles in which um, people become possessed by these kind of very um, uh, 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 seductive Um, moral points of view uh, and become very intolerant of those who dissent from those points of view. Um, And um, liberalism, you know, um, uh, exists to fight back against that kind of moral puritanism in part. Um, uh, uh, And uh, unfortunately, a lot of the liberal institutions which have protected people from these sorts of, from being targeted by intolerant uh, religious or quasi-religious uh, mobs in the past, such as the New York Times, uh, some of the great Ivy League universities, organisations um, that have been set up to defend free speech, they've been falling down on the job. They've been captured by this quasi-religious cult and they're unwilling uh, to defend people who are targeted by the witch-finded generals within these communities. Um, And uh, so I think it's necessary for an organisation like the Free Speech Union to step into uh, that vacuum um, and do its best to defend people's speech rights until these liberal institutions um, rediscover their 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 purpose um, and start doing the job themselves. I mean, a good example is trade unions, Jeremy. Um, the academic trade union, the UCU, which I referred to earlier. I mean, trade unions in the 19th century were partly created to defend the speech rights of their members, to ensure that if workers said they wanted higher wages or better working conditions, they weren't sacked by their employers. And if they supported the Labour Party or other political parties that were campaigning on behalf of workers' rights, they weren't sacked. So trade unions, in part, sprung up to defend 
people's speech rights. But now they're not doing that. Um, now, if you're accused of um, uh, uh, transphobic hate speech, i.e. if you say that you don't think trans women are women, or you don't think that trans women should be able to compete against women in the Olympics, um, and you and a, someone in a trade union complains about you, the trade union won't stand up for you. The UCU won't defend uh, feminist academics accused of transphobia by trans activists on campus. So it's partly, you know, one of the reasons this union, the free speech union, has to exist is because trade unions are no longer fulfilling that purpose that many of them were originally set up to fulfil. Oh, for heaven's sake. I mean, you keep on, you talk about a comparison with Massachusetts in the 17th century, I take it. You're talking about witch burning there. There is nothing like that has happened. Well, I'm not, well um, uh, no, no one has um, uh, been um, uh, killed um, uh, as a result, well, not in this country or in America or anywhere in the Anglosphere, um, as a result of um, uh, uh, something they've said. Um, uh, but uh, I think the, the impulse, the um, suspicion of those who offend against sacred values... Uh, the desire to expel them, to excommunicate them, um, to uh, get rid of them um, uh, and, and, and in a very unforgiving, censorious, authoritarian way. Um, that impulse which animated uh, the Salem witch trials, which animated the Cultural Revolution in China in the 1960s, which animated McCarthyism, it's the same ugly side of human societies that we're seeing, uh, I think, this recent incarnation of intellectual intolerance, of hatred of dissent and dissenters, an inability to distinguish between the sin and the sinner, this kind of desire to expel toxins from your community. It feels like the same horrible, ugly human impulse that animated what happened in Salem in the 17th century. It doesn't take the same form. It's a much softer, less brutal form that it takes. But that doesn't mean it doesn't come from the same place. How come we've got a Conservative government? I think we've got a Conservative government in part because there is a real disconnect between elites and um, uh, ordinary people. It's elites, for the most part, who've um, uh, embraced the woke cult and um, embraced these censorious speech codes and have um, and whose whose commitment to free speech has been seriously eroded in the past 10 years. Uh, And ordinary people dislike that. They resent it. The government says it's having a war on woke. Yeah, I, 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 and I think, uh, I, well, I, I think that's probably putting it a bit strongly. Um, uh, uh, they haven't been doing a great deal. But I think one of the reasons the Conservatives won an 80-seat majority uh, two years ago is partly because um, uh, 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 the Labour Party has been completely captured by the woke cult, partly because people in red wall seats felt deserted by their party, um, resent the kind of moral righteousness whereby their social and economic superiors look down at them. I mean, it's one thing to be um, sneered at 
for completely snobbish reasons um, by someone who is above you in the socioeconomic food chain. But to be considered their moral inferior too, I think is too much for a lot of people. I think that partly fueled the um, Brexit populist revolt in 2016. It partly fueled the election of Donald Trump in 2016. And I think it partly fueled uh, the Conservatives' success in 2019. I think there has that that the, the elite is becoming more and more estranged from ordinary people, and I think the woke cult uh, has played a big part in that. It hasn't captured ordinary people; it has captured, by and large, uh, the elites. And um, ordinary people don't like it. They don't like being sneered at and looked down upon uh, for their, you know, their bigotry um, by um, you know people who are obviously much, much better off than them. It, it, it creates grievance and resentment. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What have been your big victories in the Free Speech Union? Probably are um, when very shortly after we um, were, were created um, in in February of last year, um, uh, Selena Todd, the Oxford professor of modern history, was no platformed um, by an international feminist conference at Exeter College, Oxford. Um, she was no platformed the night before. She was contacted by the organisers and told that some of the um, trans um, activists on the panel due to speak the following morning had said that they would pull out if Selena Todd was on the same panel as them because she's a a gender critical feminist, a second wave feminist. Um, And um, uh, we complained to Exeter, to the rector of Exeter College and Exeter College set up a panel of fellows to investigate whether uh, its own free speech policies and the university's free speech policies had been breached uh, and they concluded that they had and they've now reviewed their own policies and procedures and set up more robust procedures to ensure something like that doesn't happen again. Shortly after that we went to bat for Amber Rudd who again was no platform at the last minute by a group 
group of um, feminists at Oxford, uh, in this case because of her um, involvement in the Windrush scandal. Um, and um, we complained to the University Proctor's Office and to the Oxford Vice-Chancellor, and the society in question was struck off and they were uh, directed to uh, issue an apology to Amber Rudd. Uh, we went to bat for a guy called Nick Buckley. Um, he's um, uh, a Liverpudlian um, who was... No, he's a Mancunian um, who set up um, a homelessness charity uh, in Manchester, mainly to work with young homeless people. At the height of the BLM protests, he wrote something, uh, a blog post, in which he didn't. He said he didn't think that the politics of BLM uh, were going to help heal racial divides in the city of Manchester, but on the contrary, um, by racialising a lot of issues, we're going to make them worse. Um, and for that, someone started a petition on change.org urging the trustees of this charity he'd set up to fire him. He was the CEO of the charity. Instead of telling the signatories of this petition to get knotted, the trustees did fire him. Um, he reached out to us. We found him a charity lawyer. We pushed back in the end. He was reinstated to that charity and the trustees who'd fired him resigned. We also helped promote a counter petition which got at least 10 times more signatures than the original petition got. Um, we've had um, uh, most recently um, a student at Abertay University in Dundee um, was placed under investigation by the university for saying in a class on feminism, uh, gender and the law that she thought women had vaginas. Uh, this is going back to the uh, trans supposedly trans-exclusionary definition of women. Um, and uh, various trans activists in that class complained. Instead of dismissing the complaint, the university placed her under a two-month investigation. And um, we defended her, helped her represent herself. And in the end, those complaints were dismissed. But that's that's the tip of the iceberg. We, 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 we As I say, we, we deal with about... Uh, we get about 50 cries for help a week. We can help, we usually end up helping about half of them. And um, we we succeed, I think, in helping people um, uh, more often than not. You want to get a life. Well, it has it has um, <laughs> it has kept me extraordinarily busy. Um, uh, and uh, we are. Who we cares do. what happens at Exeter University in Oxford or I mean, Exeter College in, in Oxford or Abertay University? Who cares? Well, I care, and I think you should care too. Um, if 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 people aren't, um, you know, if people aren't uh, free to um, express their sincerely held opinions in these important public debates, you know, there is, I think, a real debate about where to draw the line between, uh, in some areas, between sex-based women's rights and trans rights. They do come into conflict. There's a real issue about whether trans women should have access to women's refuges, for instance, whether they should be um, uh, accommodated in women's prisons, whether they should be able to compete against women in uh, weightlifting in the Olympics. That issue came up this week. That's a real issue. Uh, and we need to have a proper public debate about it, a grown-up conversation. And we can't have that conversation if one side in that debate is constantly at risk of being branded bigots, transphobes, of uh, being accused of trafficking in hate speech. We need to create a more civil 
uh, arena in which we can have these important debates. We can't just let one side prevail through bullying and harassment and intimidation. Uh, you know, it, it undermines our... If, if we don't have free speech, if people aren't free to articulate uh, their their points of view, aren't free to set out their stall in these important public conversations, It's it undermines the, the very fabric of our democracy. So I think it is critical. It's really important. Nothing else is more important. But supposing I say a woman is a creature, a human being with a vagina, what's wrong with that? Uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, you, 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 the, the, what, what would be wrong is that if you did say that publicly, um, you would, um, let's suppose you still work for Newsnight and you said that um, in a column uh, in a newspaper, um, uh, in all likelihood, Newsnight would be uh, petitioned by tens of thousands of woke activists, trans activists and their allies. You'd be denounced um, uh, by Owen Jones in The Guardian. Um, uh, Who cares? Uh, well, the BBC would care and you might well lose your job. Why do you think Jenny Murray uh, was downgraded um, uh, from Woman's Hour and eventually eased out of Woman's Hour? It's in part because she said that while she supported trans rights, she didn't think that trans women were women. I gave a speech at uh, a talk at the University of Hull a couple of years ago. And um, incredibly, in the Philip Larkin building, um, uh, there was a proposal to name a lecture theatre, the Murray Lecture Theatre, after Jenny Murray. And, that, and, and the protesters came out in force. And I think they decided not to call the lecture theatre the Jenny Murray Lecture Theatre, even though it was in a building named after Philip Larkin, whose speech crimes, if they, if they were remotely educated, they'd know, were far worse than anything Jenny Murray had ever said. But the fact is, uh, people who say that kind of thing, who say, I think that 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 uh, trans women aren't women, even if they say in the next breath that they nonetheless defend and would, you know, fight to the death to defend trans rights, uh, attempts to cancel them follow immediately. And they're often quite success successful, as we saw this week with the cancellation of this artist at the Royal Academy. Her, her, her embroidery is no longer being sold in the Royal Academy gift shop because she said trans women are women. So her livelihood uh, has been jeopardised because of what she said. And had you said that when you were a presenter on Newsnight, your livelihood would have been in jeopardy and the Free Speech Union, Jeremy, would have had to come to your defence. Well, and doubtless I'd be very grateful for it. <laughs> I expect you would. But these are pipsqueak issues in the overall scheme of things, aren't they? Let, let's, but let, I think where it becomes um, a much bigger issue um, is over things like the government's response to the um, COVID pandemic. Um, I think we've seen um, uh, a very sinister development in the culture wars. Until now, um, uh, the people who are at risk of being cancelled um, if they challenge the prevailing orthodoxy on campus or in their subject, in their field, were for the most part in the arts, the humanities, the social sciences. What we've seen in the last 15 months is that same cancel culture, that same intellectual intolerance creep into the hard sciences, particularly public health and medicine. Um, and people who've 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 challenged the prevailing orthodoxy, who've challenged the government's response, not just here, but across the world to this pandemic, like the three original signatories of the Great Barrington Declaration, professors Shunetra Gupta, Martin Kuldorf and Jay Bhattacharya, we've seen 
uh, really unpleasant, quite sinister attacks on them and their reputations, attempts to smear them, to cast them out of the respectable scientific community they're members of. People who origin people who claimed that um, uh, that the virus may have originated with a lab leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology have been smeared, demonised, accused of trafficking in misinformation, conspiracy theories. Only very recently has it become acceptable to say that. Until very recently, if you said that on Facebook, you risk being banned from Facebook. Facebook's recently changed its policy on that. YouTube. YouTube has been energetically censoring anyone who dissents from the uh, official COVID narrative. And I think when when cancel culture, when intolerance for dissenting points of view creeps into something as important as this, uh, what it means is that there isn't any proper public scrutiny of these very important decisions affecting the lives of tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people. And that then becomes a real crisis for democracy. So I think you may say that, you know, the absence of free speech when it comes to the debate between gender critical feminists and trans activists, why does that really matter? Well, it does matter to a lot of people and a lot of people's livelihoods have been ruined uh, for dissenting from the kind of woke line. But, but, But it really matters when it comes to an issue like how to deal with a global emergency where there really hasn't been a proper debate, uh, even within the media where you'd expect a debate to take place. I can't think of a proper debate that's taken place on the BBC or even on Channel 4 about the government's response to the pandemic. There's this kind of ludicrous line that if you give a platform to people who are critical of some of the measures our government and other governments have been taking, that will make people less likely to observe social distancing protocols, to wear masks, and that will endanger lives. We've even seen Ofcom weigh into this. Ofcom has issued this very censorious coronavirus guidance, telling Brooke, which I'm sure you would have balked at had you still been at Newsnight uh, or on Channel 4, the guidance essentially saying you have to exercise extreme caution if you're one of our licensees before uh, airing uh, 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 critical views of the pub- the response of the public health authorities to this crisis. And that's meant, I'm afraid, that uh, one side in what should be a really important public debate has been pretty much silenced. And that is really serious. That's a, that's a crisis in our democracy, I think. But this, is, think just, it, this it, is just you looking for a scrap. It's not. It's not just me looking for a scrap. It's me wanting to hold our government to account and not being able to. Because um, every time someone like me pops up to challenge the government's response, we're told, there's blood on your hands. Keep quiet. If you're allowed, if you're allowed to talk, if you go around saying these things, people are going to stop wearing masks and more people will die. Uh, you know, shut up. Uh, and then because of that, we haven't had a proper public a debate. That is a danger. Do do you not accept it's a danger? Well, it's only a danger if you presuppose that the government has got its response to the pandemic right and that lockdowns are actually 
um, helpful when it comes to reducing transmission. And the collateral damage of lockdown doesn't outweigh the benefits of lockdown. It's sort of presupposing that one side in this debate is right. Only if you take that for granted uh, can you then say that anyone who challenges uh, the COVID orthodoxy is endangering lives. My view is that those promoting the COVID orthodoxy, those supporting lockdowns, they're the ones endangering lives. Um, So, you know, we need to have a proper public debate. debate. It's a different debate. Well, it's a debate we should be having and we aren't having uh, and we're not having it because cancel culture has crept into uh, has is now is now extended beyond the uh, these fringe issues to affect the, the fundamental issues which uh, which are affecting everyone's life. What about repealing the Equality Act? I'm not sure I'd advocate the wholesale repeal of the Equality Act, but I do think it's had a pretty uh, pernicious and to, I think, a large extent, unintended um, uh, impact on free speech. So, for instance, um, one thing that came up recently, a couple of gender-critical feminists were no-platformed at the University of Essex. The University of Essex has just published a a lengthy report about this episode um, uh, by a barrister who's an expert in equalities law and um, uh, one of the reasons these gender critical feminists were no platformed is because um, uh, trans activists and their allies on campus uh, managed to persuade the university that just allowing these um, professors to speak on campus and to challenge some of the nostrums of the uh, trans militants um, uh, would be unlawful under the Equality Act, because merely if you merely challenge the idea that trans women should be able to compete against women in women's only events at the Olympics, like weightlifting, if you challenge that idea, these activists at Essex University said, you are harassing uh, uh, trans people on campus, and that is unlawful under the Equality Act. Now, this barrister said that they got the law wrong, But the Equality Act is a bit ambiguous. There is room for it to be interpreted in that way. We saw that at Eton recently. Um, uh, Will Noland, an English teacher, um, produced um, a video lecture in which he challenged some of the um, some of the nostrums of radical feminism, challenged the idea that there's something toxic about masculinity. Um, uh, and he did so in quite a robust, provocative way in this video. Um, and uh, a member of staff complained to the head teacher that if she had to discuss the contents of this video with boys in class, that um, that would constitute Um, harassment and discrimination against her under the Equality Act. And that was taken seriously. And um, Eaton engaged a barrister and the barrister affirmed that, yes, if they asked a teacher to to discuss with boys this video lecture, challenging the idea that masculinity is toxic, that they would be in breach of the Equality Act. And the teacher in question would have grounds for a case against them for discrimination in the employment tribunal. So I think the Equality Act does need to be reformed and it needs to be made clear that it can't be invoked to circumscribe Um, what can be taught in schools to circumscribe who's allowed to speak at universities in the way it has been. It's been weaponised by the woke left to shut down dissent um, as a way of trying to win 
the argument. Instead of engaging in a grown-up debate, it's again like with uh, the Gender Recognition Act, uh, instead of engaging in a robust debate and defending their point of view, they just seek to shut down alternative points of view and claim that just expressing those alternative points of view constitutes harassment and discrimination against people who have protected characteristics. And we have to stop the Equality Act being weaponized in that way, which it is on a daily basis. Uh, and the way to do that, I think, is to reform it and make it clear that that was never the intention. Do you think we need framing. something like the First Amendment in this country? On balance, I think, yes, that would be helpful. Um, uh, but um, uh, ultimately, you're still at the mercy of the courts. I mean, the problem, the problem is that free speech can never be absolute. It always has to be... Uh, Why not? Well, you know, you wouldn't defend the free speech of paedophiles. You wouldn't defend the right of someone to cry fire in a crowded theatre. You wouldn't defend the free speech of people who wanted to portray state secrets in a way that endangered lives. So there are always going to have to be, you wouldn't defend, I imagine, people who wanted to incite hatred against racial minorities. So there are always going to have to be some limits to free speech. So judges are always going to be able to exercise some discretion. It's always going to be up to them exactly where the line is drawn. So it doesn't matter how robust free speech protections are in law, though they certainly could be a lot more robust than they are at present. And I think a First Amendment in this country would help. But nonetheless, you're always at the mercy of judges. And one, so you need you need there to be a culture of free speech. You need the judges to be on side. And one problem we have in this country is that the upper echelons of the judiciary have in part been captured by the woke cult. And and, and, and when adjudicating between, you know, um, free speech and some counterbalancing right, like the right to privacy, they tend to side uh, against free speech rather than with it. Um, and I think in, in, in the United States, even with the First Amendment, um, a lot of Supreme Court decisions might have gone the other way um, had the Supreme Court justices been uh, uh, less sympathetic, less well disposed towards free speech. You need a culture and a tradition of free speech and lots of institutions standing up for it in order to preserve it, in order for it to thrive. It's not enough uh, to just have something like the First Amendment, though I think it would help. Toby Young, thank you. Thank you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.